Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hi, and welcome to episode 34 of the Toward Light podcast. What do you take refuge in when you're not feeling stable and you're seeking safety or security? Where do you turn? Is it always the right thing? Do you sometimes turn to stuff that offers temporary relief but isn't truly safe? Some of you know that I'm traveling in Mexico with my husband and my dog. Recently I was sick, I had some stomach stuff going on, and my capacity to access any feeling of safety or security was pretty limited. I reached for a lot of things to help me feel safer, better. I was on this search to find Kraft mac and cheese, like that was going to be the answer which they didn't have in the grocery store here and tried a couple different brands. It just weren't quite right. So I was reaching for different things, food, TV, whatever, to try and make me feel safe and good. And I did still manage in moments to take refuge in the things that I've been cultivating over the last several years, the refuge of the triple gem, the refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. This week, I want to explore what this means to take refuge in the Triple Gem. Back in episode five, I talked about taking refuge in the Sangha and community, so that might be a good episode to listen to along with this episode. But today, I really want to focus on all three, this idea of where do we find safety and how we can access it in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Before I dive into these three refuges, I do want to name some of the other places we take refuge that are not always truly safe, things that we reach for out of habit or conditioning. This is not to shame us for those behaviors or to make us think we can eradicate these altogether, but understanding where we take false refuge can help us to see moments when we have a choice about where to find safety. A limited list of places we may go for refuge, food, substances, TV, video games, shopping, reading, music, relationships, old stories about ourselves, quote-unquote justified anger, physical exertion, etc., etc., etc. And some of these are actually useful coping tools or resources in appropriate doses, But when we turn to them as our sole refuge, as our sole place for safety, they often don't hold up for very long. Recently, I was connecting with somebody in our neighborhood where we're staying here in Oaxaca, and I learned about a lot of difficulties that he's had in his life. I left feeling pretty helpless and some guilt for the privileges that I have. So I was experiencing these unpleasant emotions and thoughts. And I got home and I went to my husband for a hug. And then I got on the couch with my dog and my phone and started to play a game on my phone. And I noticed this tendency to find refuge there. These feelings were unpleasant. I wanted to numb them out, escape them. So I set a timer and allowed myself to play my game for 15 minutes. But then I had to go back to work and go back to feeling whatever I was feeling. How do we, when we're feeling destabilized, find safety in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha? I'll come back to this example of connecting with this neighbor as I go through each of the refuges. 
With all three refuges, there's a traditional literal translation and also a more broad understanding, and I want to look at both. Taking refuge in the Buddha. So the literal interpretation is that we are finding refuge in the historical Buddha, this man, Siddhartha Gautama, who left his home, did all this spiritual seeking, finally found his own path to awakening, and became enlightened, and then shared those teachings with others. So we can take refuge, find safety in knowing that this person existed. This person was able to wake up, to see clearly, and share that freely. So when we think of him, and when we think of the choices that he made, we may be able to connect with a sense of safety, a sense of peace, a sense of gratitude, and we may be able to take refuge there. The broader interpretation of taking refuge in the Buddha is that we're taking refuge in the Buddha nature inside of each one of us. We're taking refuge in the fact that we all have innate goodness, that we all at the end of the day want to feel safe, protected, loved, and we want to share that. This can be hard to see sometimes, to see our own Buddha nature or the Buddha nature in others, especially because depending on what your country of origin is, but many countries that are based in Christian mythos have this idea of original sin or that you have to kind of like fight to be good. And in Buddhism, that that's not the case. The reality is that in any moment, that goodness is there. So these other traditions and cultural norms can end up coloring our thinking. So sometimes we need to make the effort to see our own Buddha nature or the Buddha nature in others. One way we can do this is to reflect on times that we've been able to provide safety for ourselves or safety for others. We might reflect on our generosity or our ethical conduct. All of these practices allow us to settle into the truth of things, the truth that our inner goodness is available and that we can shine that light for ourselves in any moment if we choose to. So when I met this neighbor and I was lost in helplessness and guilt, it was helpful for me to think about when I felt that way before and what action can I take toward that person, toward myself? How can I appreciate that actually these feelings that I have, this guilt or this helplessness, this is actually coming from my Buddha nature, from my compassionate heart? And can I see that as good? Can I see that as wholesome? Can I let go of the guilt, let go of the helplessness, and rest in the wise compassion and take compassionate action when it's available? Taking refuge in the Dharma, literally the teachings of the Buddha, taking refuge in these teachings. In the Theravada tradition, which is the tradition that I'm rooted in, this includes the Pali Canon and some commentaries. Other traditions include other texts as part of the Dharma. It's nice to rest in the truth of these teachings, but I also really appreciate the broader interpretation of this refuge, which is taking refuge in the Dharma, which means the truth of things. And the truth of things is anicca, dukkha, anatta. Things are impermanent, things can be difficult, and there is no fixed self. So I'm seeing the world as it is and taking refuge in that. 
not getting caught up in my ideas of how the world should be or the cultural ideas of how the world should be, but I'm able to see clearly, oh, things change. Oh, things are hard sometimes. Oh, this isn't personal. So going back to the example with the neighbor, I can take refuge in a Nietzsche knowing that I'm not going to feel these feelings forever and that he's not going to experience this forever. His experience, while difficult in this moment, may change. It will change. I don't know if it'll change for better or worse, but it will change. Take refuge in dukkha, difficulty happens. So me having unpleasant feelings arise, that's normal. Him having a difficult period in his life, that's normal. This is not unique. And then refuge in anatta, that for me, these emotions are arising, these thoughts are arising, for him, his experience is happening, but it's not me, that's not him. These are things that are happening. We are not identified by these things. So at the end of the day, I'm having my experience, he's having his experience, and they're both rooted in the truth of life. If we take away any story that we're trying to create, what's really happening is anicca, dukkha, and anatta. And then taking refuge in the sangha. So the little, literal translation of this is any being who is an arahant, who's been awakened, who's enlightened, and the community of monastics. And I can find some comfort in this at times. I can look at people who've dedicated their lives to the path who've been on the path longer than me, who have worked through stuff in ways that I haven't yet. And I can find a lot of refuge in that, a lot of safety and seeing that, you know, for 2,600 years, people have kept walking this path because it works. And this broader interpretation is our spiritual community, whatever that may look like, wise friendships, spiritual friendships, It's not saying that uh, relationships can't be silly and surface at times. Even with some of the people that I have the deepest connections with, we can have superficial, fun, light connection. But at the end of the day, it has a spiritual foundation that can be relied upon. So when I connected with my neighbor and heard the upsetting things in his life, I came back and I connected with my husband. I told him, a little bit of what I had experienced and what I was feeling. And then I ended up connecting with some friends on other topics. But even just that, having that sense of community reminded me that I'm not alone and that my hope is that he has community too. Actually, I know he does. And so that he's relying on his sangha too, that we can find refuge in our communities, whatever they may look like. So thinking back to the questions I asked at the beginning, where do you find safety? Is it a false refuge or a true refuge? Tara Brock has a book entitled True Refuge all about this and how we find refuge in the Dharma path, in the practices, in the teachings. I highly recommend it. I've already mentioned some of the places I find refuge that aren't always so wholesome. Games on my phone, Netflix, mac and cheese, etc. There are some places that I find refuge that are quite wholesome. I really enjoy wherever I am in the world, walking in the neighborhood, smiling at folks, chatting with folks, connecting, even if it's the person checking me out in the store. 
this is a way where I can find refuge in the Buddha. I can connect with the Buddha nature and others. I can see others' goodness in their eyes and their smiles when we're walking toward each other and the person moves out of the way so I can walk around them. There's just a sense of the innate goodness in the world. And I really love that. So I can find a lot of refuge just in walking around in the neighborhood, finding refuge in the Buddha. I also find a lot of refuge in being outside in nature that can often feel very safe for me. And nature is such a good teacher and reminder about the truth of things, about impermanence. I've spent a lot of time in the woods at the Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts, and I've watched the seasons change and watched the trees change and watched trees fall down and leaves change and all of these things that remind me of Anicca, of Dukkha, of Anatta. They help me take refuge in the truth of things. So even if I'm sitting outside on the patio, my feet in the grass, feeling the breeze, I'm getting reminded about the truth of things, about impermanence, and that allows me to find some refuge, some safety. I also find a lot of refuge in meditating with friends, getting on Zoom or whatever and meditating together. Even though we may not be talking, just doing the practice together really helps me feel this connection with Sangha. And then those friends who I meditate with, when we connect around other things, it feels so rich and fulfilling because we have this spiritual foundation, this refuge of Sangha. Next time that you find yourself stirred up, notice where you go for safety, where you go for refuge. Notice what about it feels safe. Notice if it feels like a false refuge or a true refuge. And notice how it might relate to these ideas of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. I'm going to close with this poem by Rumi. It's called Tending to Shops. Don't run around this world looking for a hole to hide in. There are wild beasts in every cave. If you live with mice, the cat claws will find you. The only real rest comes when you're alone with God. Live in the nowhere that you came from, even though you have an address here. That's why you see things in two ways. Sometimes you look at a person and see a cynical snake. Someone else sees a joyful lover And you're both right. Everyone is half and half, like the black and white ox. Joseph looked ugly to his brothers and most handsome to his father. You have eyes that see from that nowhere, and eyes that judge distances, how high and how low. You own two shops and you run back and forth. Try to close the one that's a fearful trap, getting always smaller. Checkmate this way, checkmate that. Keep open the shop where you're not selling fish hooks anymore. You are the free swimming fish. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.